2: hey now off and running hour two here of the gulf coast bank and trust tiger tailgating show with the tiger himself herb tyler former (laughs) lsu quarterback i'm christian garrick phone lines are open at 504-260-1870 getting you set for lsu and Ole miss tonight in oxford vaught hemingway stadium we find gene on a cell phone go ahead gene you're on wwl thanks for holding hey how you doing um
3: good thank you i just hope that I hope they don't get complacent and play down to the level of the opponent or Ole Miss plays up and they play down. And my last comment is I watched the game all throughout, and I don't know about you guys, but I think Stingley got beat all throughout the game last week. And that's not the first game. It happened in the Texas game. He needs to, he needs to come. I mean uh, – you know, I've seen him get burnt numerous times.
1: Yeah, look, Gene, with Stingley, you got to remember, man, he's only 18-year-old freshman, right? So he's got all the talent in the world to be great, but at this present moment, he has no experience. So these are the games that's getting him the, the experience. And uh, the other thing with that, with this past weekend against Alabama, he's playing against a first-round draft pick than Devontae Smith himself um, at, the, you know, at the end of the day. So... You know, and Devontae Smith is, is, what, a junior now at at Alabama, and he's literally going to be in the first round of the draft coming up here uh, in April. So, you know, Stingley is learning. He's getting better and better every day. He's, look, three years from now, when he's the age of Devontae Smith, there's no one that he won't be able to cover, and there's no one that would will, that will do what you saw on Saturday. He did get beat, but it was just all about technique on a couple of different plays. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, he did enough to prevent them from scoring as many touchdowns as they could have.
2: And, and you know what, Herb, if I could just piggyback on that is, um, you know, last week he gave up a long score because two things. He gave up a long score on, a I think, a wrong defensive call. Yep. They had him playing press man when he should have been an off coverage. Okay, and then secondly, he gave up a big play after the coaches got his attention as the snap was. Yep. Yeah, as the snap was going off. Yep. So, um, look, I think that that one game, um, I wouldn't judge Derek Stingley Jr. too much by that one game against a really, really, really good set of receivers from Alabama. I just wouldn't.
1: I agree. I agree, especially the one you know the the one where he was talking to the coaches. On the sideline, and and you know that's that's unfortunate, right there. That should not have happened. And then the other one, you know, his feet got tangled up on him. He was crossed the ways a little bit when he, when Devontae came out. And look, Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy, these guys, they don't play, man. Waddle, they don't play. People know that these guys are, are legit NFL receivers, and they run great routes, and they catch the football, and they're as fast, and they're just as good as anybody you can think of. So at the end of the day, he's getting better and better every every game. I think. Um, you know, and, and the hype was real earlier, you know, uh, going into this game. You know, he was, you know, his, his, I think, what is it, PFF or PFR had had him ranked number one DB in the country or whatever. But at the end of the day, he's still learning his experiences that is really lacking against quality players like those.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's something that he'll learn. And look, um, Patrick Peterson, when he came to LSU, he, he had his moments as a freshman where, you know, teams got after him a little bit. But. Um. W- look how he turned out. I think I think Derek Stanley Jr. is going to be yeah. just fine.
1: <laughs> I agree. I think he's going to be just fine.
2: <laughs> and a lot of those guys that he was playing against last week, yeah, all of them are playing in the NFL. They Every will. single one of them will play on Sunday.
1: You're right. And then the other thing to to Gene's uh, comment before that, I don't think LSU is going to play down to Ole Mrs. uh, whatever you want to call it. They're not going to play down to them. LSU is going to play up. And I think it's going to be the same results as what the Alabama game was against Ole Miss, 59 31. But I think we'll hold them one less touchdown and score the same amount of points. So that's what my, my, my prediction is.
2: Phone lines are open as, as well at 504 260 1870. Text eight seventy eight seventy. You expecting a hard fought victory? A nail biter for LSU? A loss? A shocking upset loss to Ole Miss? Or an easy victory? For the lsu tigers weigh in at 504-260-1870 text 870 870 we'll step away and come back he's herb tyler i'm christian garrick this is the gulf coast bank and trust tiger tailgating show here on wwl joe brady and joe burrow the two joes powering lsu to some unprecedented success offensively welcome back to the gulf coast bank and trust tiger tailgating show and Joe Burrow's going to go on and and make millions uh, in in the NFL, and Herb Joe Brady isn't too far behind him in terms of his bankroll as well. You saw last week reports started to come out after the win over Alabama that LSU is prepared to offer Joe Brady offensive coordinator-level type pay at the NFL level of $1.5 million. That doesn't shock me, though.
1: Doesn't shock me either. But, look, let's not forget about Steve Inzminger. There's a reason why these two guys are together, right? I don't think this is all Joe Brady. Let me just say that, not diminishing anything that Joe Brady has done, but we don't really know what's the dynamic of the play calling because when you listen to Coach O, you know he talks a lot about Steve Ainsmaker making plays, you know calling plays, and um, and, and and assisting and helping put together game plans and things of that nature. So Joe Brady is worth every penny. He's going to get Steve Ainsmaker will be the same because um, this is a different dynamic of football team that we have right now, especially on the offensive side of the ball, which makes us very confident going into this old Miss game.
2: There's no doubt about it that, um, that Steve Insminger is certainly – the straw that stirs the drink and Joe yeah. Brady having some input in the passing game, but yep. what they've been able to do is pretty darn yeah. impressive.
1: You know, what's pretty cool. I, I was watching the interview with uh, with Drew Brees the other day, and he was talking about how there's certain plays that he can see when he was watching LSU and he kind of calls those plays out and he knows exactly what they're going to do and where the ball should go. And then if Joe makes the right read and puts the ball in the right place where it's supposed to, and, you know, it just it tickles Drew, Drew to the point of where he just has to chuckle about it. Right. So that's pretty awesome.
2: It is. Parish Alford covering Ole Miss for the Daily News in uh, Oxford. Sat down with him, visited with us on Sports Talk earlier in the week. Take a listen. Time now for Behind Enemy Lines, brought to you by Acadian Windows, the official window company of the Houdat Nation, helping us to do so on the Ole Miss Rebels. Parish Alford, Ole Miss Beat, reporter for the Daily Journal. Parish, how are you? Man, I'm
3: fine, but I'm from Denham Springs. Is that really enemy?
2: No, no, but we, we just call the segment uh, basically, you know, based on the, the opponent. It is the, uh, the, the enemy of the LSU Tigers for sure. I got you. And now, Parrish,
0: uh, you know, you never want to not show up for a game, but LSU being a three-touchdown favorite, I mean, people said, oh, watch out for Ole Miss. There, there could be an upset. I don't see how that can happen. Uh, what would it take for Ole Miss uh, to, no, you know, it's a big robbery-type game, but what would it take to upset LSU?
3: Look, uh, to upset LSU, I think they they really have to get pressure on Joe Burrow, get him off his spot, make him uncomfortable. I mean, things that other teams have tried to do, and and when they do that, they need to be aware that he can pull it down and run and get a first down. I mean, you know, he's not a stiff back there, but but that's what they have to do because secondary play has not been a strength for Ole Miss, and um Look, it's just not a good matchup with uh, Joe Burrow coming in completing almost 80%. And, you know, the Rebels uh, hit and miss back there in terms of coverage. So if, if they're going to slow down the offense, give themselves a chance to stay in the game, they're going to have to make Burrow uncomfortable.
0: Now, uh, Paris, you're looking at uh, John uh, Rice uh, Plumley. I think. If I can recall, I remember, did he come in the Cal game at the end and all of a sudden like, whoa, who's this guy making plays with his, his feet and, and being a freshman? Uh, well, what is the, the, the you take your take on him and also the fan base? Is he the future or what?
3: Well, they're trying to make John Rice the future, I believe. For him to be the future, he's going to have to develop as a passer. Uh, he did come in the last five minutes against Cal. His first college play was like a 47-yard run. Right. Uh, and he was seven, seven for seven on the next drive. But, you know, Cal kind of keeping the ball in front of them there. Uh, but, uh, you know, the rest of uh, his time, you know, he really hasn't uh, completed passes at a high enough clip. Uh, they've not been productive. Uh, they haven't thrown a touchdown pass in the last three games. You know, so he has some work to do there. But there is no denying the threat that he is in the run game. He's quick. He's evasive. You know, he didn't play, like I said, there against Cal. That was week four. Yet here he is with two games to go with an
0: outside shot at 1,000 yards
3: at uh, 777 right now. So he's a playmaker.
0: Now, now uh, Paris, looking at their offense, uh, I want to say la- uh, averaging a little over 26 points a game. Uh, but what occurred in uh, when they played the Aggies and the Tigers? I, I, I was looking where they only – was scored 17 points against Texas A&M and 14 against Auburn. Obviously, that would not uh, be enough against LSU, but uh, what what, what was happening in those games that they weren't able to score more considering that they've had uh, uh, other success uh, scoring in other games?
3: Well, uh, Auburn, uh, obviously, uh, you know, is one of the better defenses in the country. Uh, It took Ole Miss a while to really get in a rhythm. You know, they had a lot of uh, short drives and punts and things like that. It wasn't a – a good offensive game for them. They were better against Texas A and M, but uh, they had a turnover. They had uh, missed opportunities. They, they left some points on the table against Texas A and M. They really feel like that's a that that was a win that got away. That they could have played better, could have played cleaner uh, in that game, and and uh, and come out on the better end of the scoreboard. Uh, they just uh, you know made some mistakes there.
2: Parrish, when I'm looking at some of the games that Ole Miss has played this year. Putting up points hasn't really been that big of a problem. I mean, you guys hung 31 on Alabama. They also uh, scored 31 on Vanderbilt. We know LSU and Vanderbilt got into a little bit of a, a little bit of a shootout. So, so where do the points come from? Is it the running game or the passing game?
3: It's the running game. Uh, you know, that's look, Rich Rodriguez came in, and that's what he does. That's his M.O. It's what he's done in other places, and, and I think he deserves credit for really taking um, – some inherited players and and uh, putting in his new system and, and then some freshmen some you know key guys like Plumlee, On Bailey, and Gerard Connor uh, and they've all kind of fit together to become a, a pretty good running team right uh, they lead the SEC this week they're at uh, at 247 a game on the season they have run the ball on some pretty good defenses ran later in the game against Auburn. I want to say they finished with around 167 or 170 in the run game uh, there. But, uh, you know, they've put up over 200 on some good teams. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can do that against LSU. I know they were talking this week, uh, Rich Rodriguez, was about the the size of uh, LSU along the front line and how people just have struggled to move them, to, to get them off their spot, to to, to give up uh, ground, to get them to do that. And, and uh, that's a concern for Ole Miss this week.
0: Now, uh, Parrish, when, uh, while you look at the SEC and the talent that they put in the NFL, who can you say on the offensive uh, side of the ball or and also on the defensive side that we'll see playing on Sunday? Uh, who who can uh, you, you tell and enlighten the fans to look at?
3: Well, uh, not a lot who will be playing there next year, but I think uh, – down the road you could see uh, Jerry Ely. you could see Gerard Connor those running backs. Uh, I think they could get there uh, from a wide receiver standpoint uh, just still some development that needs to take place I mean they had some highly rated recruits that have come in but uh, they were recruited uh, under a different system and they're not throwing the ball well right now they're not throwing it uh, you know with, uh, with an accomplished passer. So it's going to be interesting. On that, at that position, they've got to develop more, but the running backs for sure. Defensively, look, Benito Jones and Josiah Cotney uh, along the defensive line, the interior, they've played well this year. It, it wouldn't be surprising if they got a chance somewhere. Uh, Sam Williams, an outside linebacker, first year uh, junior college transfer, you know, he's a guy with some ability that uh, they could get there as well.
2: Parrish, this might sound like a silly question, but – the success that Coach O is having at LSU, are there, you know, I guess Ole Miss not necessarily fans, but maybe supporters or relationships that he made uh, in Ole Miss and Oxford that are kind of pulling for his success, though? You know, look, um, it
3: wasn't a good time for Ole Miss when when, uh, when Ed was here. And and so it's kind of mixed there. You know, he's he's been very public about the fact that uh, he had to learn to – let his coaches coach, his coach and, and that sort of thing, you know. And, and I think there are relationships that are stronger now, but they've had to mend. Uh, Shay Hodge, a wide receiver uh, during uh, on edge teams here, kind of talked about that this week and talked about the closeness that he feels with uh, Coach on right now. But that's that's come over time. And uh, Shay is a guy that, that visits with him pretty regularly. Um, I'm just not sure where he uh, where he stands as far as relationships in the community and, and things well, like it, that. It, I know he...
0: Yeah. In, in Parrish, I just look at it uh, that is like oil and, uh, and water. I mean, it's just like, I mean, you don't think of Mississippi and, and the Bayou's up in Oxford. I mean, he's just <laughs> a fit for LSU in Louisiana. We all know he can recruit. Uh, boy, I remember uh, boy his relationship he had with Patrick Willis and all that. But yeah. I just think the personality of a school, Uh, Ole Miss kind of a, you know, a blue blood kind of reputation uh, versus LSU, maybe not that type of school. And uh, that's why, I mean, as a coach, you want any opportunity, but I just don't think uh, it it was a good fit considering on the character uh, of a Coach O and being at LSU, it just seems like he was made to be there.
3: Okay. It probably wasn't a good fit at the beginning, but right. uh, look, if 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 you win, nobody cares yeah, where you're right. from. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Exactly. Nobody cares where you're from if you win. Ed Ogeron was not the certainly not the coach that he would become in his first job. But who is, you know, right. who is the best employee that they will be in their first job? You know,
0: Belichick been very old- in Belichick,
2: Cleveland yeah it, it happens been, a lot yeah it happens
0: yeah. and also i I gotta slow my role take it back because I know there's no Bayous in, in really Los Angeles and he worked out pretty good at USC when he, in the interim <laughs> coach yeah so yeah I think yeah. it's all about experience and and growing as a coach and uh, and obviously getting the right people around you and and know what you know and know what you don't know and then you go from there and and obviously I know he can always recruit uh, that's yeah. one thing I know whether it was Miami Syracuse. USC, uh, wherever, uh, uh, Ole Miss, uh, LSU, Tennessee, he can recruit. I know that, and I know that he knows that's his wheelhouse.
3: Absolutely, and look, uh, he was kind of bullheaded, going to do things his way, and then he's learned from that. Uh, I guess he's mellowed probably just a little bit, but that you know, bullheaded that serves you well in his profession. But uh, you got to be willing to learn, and and I think that I think the Ole Miss experience
2: helped him get there. Paris Alford covers Ole Miss for the Daily Journal. Parrish, thanks for the time, man. Good stuff. Guys, y'all have a good evening. That was Parrish Alford, Herb Tyler, Christian Garrick back here at the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show. We'll continue here on WWL. Here it is, Herb. I got a text here. It says, uh, Christian, stop running your mouth. Don't think LSU, don't jinx LSU like you jinxed the Saints last week. Yep, I'm the reason that the Saints (laughs) lost, not because the fact that Oh, they just didn't have their best game. They weren't dialed in. No, and they were and they were not sharp
1: from play- the get go. And
2: oh, by the way, Atlanta just beat them flat out. Why can't we just admit that? And the Falcons beat the Saints. They outexecuted them.
1: Look, that was Atlanta. The Atlanta Falcons coming into the Superdome, and we were flat as all outdoors. Offensive line didn't play well at all. Interior defensive line didn't play well at all. You know, Matty Ice was on fire once. Um, uh, uh man, what's the, Lattimore went down, that's when Julio started really making plays. And um, look, y- you get one of those games a year, right? That just can't happen again. You get, you got to keep going. So yeah, you're right, Christian. It's all your fault. You should have mm-hmm. dressed out, and you should have gone and caught some passes or helped block on the offensive line. I don't know what you did.
2: Yeah, look, I've already said my piece about the Saints <laughs> and the Falcons. Uh, yeah, I, you
1: know, it's I'm, over. I'm, let's I'm, move on. Let's move uh, on. Yeah. right.
2: And <laughs> let's talk about this number one team in the country, in the LSU Fighting Tigers. Also yes. looking at some of the. Scores around college football going on right now. 44-10, to 10, number 15, Michigan, on top of Michigan State. Wow. Spartans are struggling. Yeah. That's in the fourth quarter. That should be 17 seconds remaining. So yep. that should be the ball game. Michigan State taking the thumping. That's a, thumping a, that's a big
1: win Michigan. for Michigan, I'm going to tell you right now. That's a big win.
2: It is. It is. Uh, yeah. Wisconsin, number 14, Wisconsin, on top of Nebraska, 34-21. to 21, Just started the fourth quarter. Florida beat Missouri 23-6. to six. Penn State got by Indiana by a touchdown 34 to 27. Penn State took that loss to Minnesota and uh, they're not as good as I think as people think they are.
1: I I said that going into the season but who am I? I don't know.
2: <laughs> TCU on top of Texas Tech 33-31, Alabama, number 5 Alabama, 38 to 7. Final over Mississippi State. And The big storyline from that one is Tua Tagovailoa leaving the game in the first half with a apparent hip injury.
1: Well, just read that. Not only did he leave the game, but they actually had to airlift him to a medical facility oh, nearby. Oh gosh! So we'll see what what that's all about. So we'll see.
2: Oh, that's terrible news to hear. Huh? Yeah. If you love college football, I don't care what fan you who you're a fan of, and I get we like to have fun with the Alabama Crimson Tide fans, but man. You you hope for the best and pray for for Tua. When you hear that he's been airlifted to a medical center after playing football, that's terrible.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's
2: terrible news. Hey, I want to pick your brain on something, Herb. I'm sure you saw the Thursday night fiasco, right, where uh, Miles (laughs) Garrett uh, ripped off the helmet of Mason Rudolph and and – clocked him over the head with it um and miles garrett has been suspended for the remainder of the season and potentially in the the next season yeah and and you know there's a debate on whether mason rudolph had a hand in it and if he should have been suspended um and as a as a quarterback what happened was you could probably explain this better how it all started in terms of the the ball came out he threw a pass and miles continued to take him to the ground and then it ensued after that well
1: i mean you got you got you got to watch the whole video right you can't you can't start at one point and say, okay, this is where it started. No, it started from the beginning. So Miles was trying to make the tackle on the quarterback, the sack, and, and and Mason got the ball out. Miles didn't realize the ball was out, and he kept continuing the play, right? And it wasn't like Miles actually drove him into the ground or slung him into the ground. If you watch the play carefully, Miles actually turned himself around, and then he allowed Mason to fall on top of him. And then at that point, that's when you start seeing Mason Starts, you know, he start to try to pull off the helmet of Miles, which at that point Miles got on top of him, and Mason continued to try to pull the helmet off. And then something happened as Mason Miles was getting up, and then Miles just, you know, he just said, "You know what? Let me get this helmet," and he took it from him. And then all of a sudden, Mason got up and ran after him. So there's um, a, a this that sort of thing happens all the time at practice, right? Especially, like I said before, especially during. You know, two days when it's hot and the summer and all that stuff in the spring, guys are tired of beating up on themselves. So a lot of interior linemen they fight all the time about with stuff like that, and, and sometimes linebackers and running backs. But um, at the end of the day, there's no place in the in the game for any of it, right? Uh, you know, I think my I think um, Mason was wrong for trying to pull Miles's helmet off, trying to twist it off of his head. Definitely, Miles is wrong for doing what he did pulling the helmet off and then swinging the helmet at the end of the day. You can't do that. That's it's definitely you know you definitely can't do that and then you know Pouncey kicking miles and all that i mean that's not that's not cool either right which is why he got three games so at the end of the day the nfl is making a statement with this and i do think that mason should mason rudolph should be should should have some penalty to play in I agree. it by starting to pull the helmet off of miles garrett now how severe i don't think it's i don't think it's warranted to 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 give him a one game suspension cuz he didn't actually pull the helmet off he you know he got to the point where was almost pulled off, but he didn't. So I, I do think something has to happen. I don't know what, but that's up to Roger Goodell to figure that part out. But at the end of the day, the NFL is definitely going to make a statement because they don't want guys pulling helmets off and swinging it and, and hitting other guys with, with helmets yeah. against the rules to use the helmet as a weapon anywhere, you know what I'm saying, on the field. So, Herb, had he, hit,
2: had he hit Mason Rudolph at a different point of his of – his- head. And, right. we, could be, we could be talking about an entirely different scenario here. Entirely different. And what I mean by that is the worst. I'm talking about a skull fracture, right. some sort of some sort of concussion that right. could lead to a coma. I
1: mean, right. it, it,
2: it, it could have yeah. been really, really bad.
1: So you can't do that, which I, which is why I think it's going to bleed into next year. I don't think it's going to stop at the end of this year in the playoffs. I think it's going to bleed into maybe two games the next year um, just to continue to send a message that, hey guys, this this won't be tolerated and the bad part about it and I say this all the time how, like first and foremost the NFL PA, right it's a players association for the players of the NFL you all are in the same union what are you doing you know what I'm saying like why are you even fight what are you what are you mad about what are you so upset about to where you have to do that or get into those types of skirmishes it's not worth it i mean he's going to lose all of his game checks for this 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 remaining portion of this season plus I think two more games next year and, and and then you have the stigma on you that you're the guy who swung a helmet and, and and you know and, and tried to really really hurt an opposing player which is not good that's not good at all
2: in a league where they're taking great steps to take uh injury out of the game or remove in, as much injury out of the yes. game as they can especially concussions and, yeah and you're and you're inflicting pain. An injury potentially on a player using a a helmet, which is a weapon. I mean, yep. it, it heard about, I heard some people screaming about, "Oh, that's assault, etc." Okay, mm. let's be let's be no, honest here. This is this whole game of football it, is, it a, assault. Is, a, is assault, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we we can't charge him. You can't charge him criminally with assault. I don't. So, I don't think you can.
1: No. But, so look, if you can charge him with assault, then you got to charge Vantes Burfict with assault for that play that he did on the guy that that made him get um you know uh uh suspended for the rest of the season cuz that was a that was not like and Vantesberg tried to try to make this make light of it is like mine happened during the play of the game it doesn't matter you legitimately literally launched at a guy with the crown of your head to hit his head in order to hurt him right it's the same exact thing so at that, in my opinion that's you know that I don't see any you know I don't see what what Miles Garrett did is his assault. Because if you if you're, you're going to call that assault, then you need to call what Vontaze Burfick did as well.
2: As I assault. agree with you that um, that Mason Rudolph should pay some sort of penalty, whether it is a suspension for a half or right, right. I, I, I just I, I think he should certainly be fined for his role in this. Right. He did have some culpability. And this escalating, now, Miles Garrett has to have more restraint and to not rip off his helmet. (laughs) And then I was fine with ripping off his helmet. Okay, just throw it
1: in the stands. Kyle Kyle Turley, right? Kyle Turley. Right. But I didn't
2: see him. I didn't ever envision the idea that he would try to hit him over the head. But here's the thing. Mason Rudolph could have just had his helmet ripped off and stayed where he was instead yes, of re engaging Miles Garrett. In mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. the end of the day, if you look at the whole, the way that the game was going on, Mason Rudolph had already thrown four intercepts. They were, you know, they were getting beat. He had a horrible night. And then Miles Garrett made that night even worse for him the entire time. And then all of a sudden, here we go. So, you know, temper's flare and, and, and it's, it's testosterone. It's football. That's what happens when you're playing a football game.
2: You just can't lose your mind like that. No,
1: you, you can't. Don't. You have to be mindful of what you're actually doing. I, I mean, I don't. It's not – It's not. there's no excuse for that, to be honest with you. The
2: big story, though, in college football as it stands right now is Tua, Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, Saturday down south is reporting that Tua Tagovailoa is being airlifted to a medical center following an injury against Mississippi State, a win in which they yeah. were up 28 points at the time of his injury. Um, but it's a, it's a hip injury. It's being described as, <clears throat> as a hip injury. But Herb, when you hear some about someone being airlifted, yeah, and I don't know if we have a doctor uh, that's listening because I'd love to talk to one yeah. urgently. But when you talk about being airlifted after a hip injury, are there some? You, you got to wonder: is there some sort of internal bleeding that comes with an artery that might have been cut? I don't know. I don't know,
1: Look, I don't me- know but. Look, it's sp- scary. If it was Thursday between 12 and 4, I could speak on this. That's when I'm a doctor, but today I'm not, so I can't speak <laughs> on it. Um, with that being said, either way it goes, for him to have to go out of that game like he did on a cart, right, that just for me, it just makes me feel bad for him, and it's, I feel sick for him. And then, look, people are going to say all the same stuff, right? You know, he should have pulled him. He shouldn't have been in there. He shouldn't have been in there. He shouldn't have shouldn't have. At the end of the day, whether that happened on that play or twelve plays before that or thirty plays before that, it could happen at any point in time. So, I don't think that in the in the in the, in the, the, the halftime interview with Coach Saban, he said that that was to his last series. They wanted to do two minute offense with him, but obviously the offensive line has to block better so that he doesn't get hit like he did. So, at the end of the day, I think that I, I don't place any fault or blame on. On Saban, he's, he's, he's coaching his team, and this is what he has done with Tua all of his career, entire career at Alabama. Tua plays the first half of every game, and that's it, and then he's gone after that, right, when they're not playing LSU, of course. But that, that's just been it. So he's been following the same plan all along that he's always had with Tua.
2: Yeah, and it's it, the injury, if you see it, um, it's just one of those freak deals. It's not – all that common in no. the sport.
1: To me, it looks like his his right leg he his got jammed up on his knee, so he fell on his knee on his right side, and the guys the weight of the defensive lineman fell on it, and then I think that's where the hip situation came on. So if you so if you just imagine kneeing you know kneeling on the ground or whatever, and then having yeah. four hundred pounds of weight just you know slammed on you, or more more than that, five six hundred pounds slammed on you, I can see that's where that can happen
2: if we have any listening uh, medical professionals in the audience um i'm curious to know like if you can explain us typically why someone would, would be airlifted for an injury similar to that maybe a dislocated hip or a fractured hip something like. no, so maybe i'm just it's, curious to know
1: maybe it's not that maybe it's something with the face because remember he was bleeding from the nose or, or mouth or whatever so maybe it was something dealing with that you know what i mean um yeah i, I don't i don't know i don't know right now it's all speculation whatever it is i'm I'm sure in a few hours we'll get some reports and, and somebody, we'll get some clarity on this thing.
2: Herb Tyler, Christian Garrick here on the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. Tiger tailgating show here on WWL. The big story of the day in college football is Alabama quarterback Tua Tagovailoa airlifted to a nearby medical center after suffering a hip injury. Dr. Mark Addix on Twitter. He's a former Super Bowl champion, with a doctor with the Washington Redskins, Harvard-trained orthopedic surgeon, and also – at Baylor of College of Medicine, and he's a medical expert for ESPN. Uh, He says, Tua's injury is similar to Bo Jackson's injury. His hip subluxation and dislocation puts femoral head at risk of losing blood supply and dying. need to get the hip back in place gently ASAP and remove pressure from the joint. That is Mm -hmm. not good.
1: To me, all of this sounds right because I'm reading something from the San San Diego Union Tribune talking about exactly this, which you read already uh, uh Christian and this is not good man at the end of the day um man you know you don't want to see a guy with his potential not be able to live out his dream of playing NFL football or yeah. just being able to to be normal period you know what I mean uh, or even losing his life if you will behind something like this if they don't act fast fast enough and um and this can happen at any point to anybody on any given Saturday Sunday Friday Tuesday Monday Wednesday Thursday whatever it doesn't matter. Um, so this is this is no one's doing, no one's fault. So please, I you know I I I would refrain from 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 placing blame on Coach Saban or any of the other coaches out there with that because this had nothing to do with the previous injury. Like you know what I mean? Like right. nothing at all. So so it's not nothing like that in my in my opinion anyway. So it's just this is, we just want to you know keep our prayers with Tua on this one.
2: Certainly, if you're a fan of college football, it doesn't matter which team you want to see the best players in college football, Yeah, um, and you want to see good things happen to them. Um, and certainly not anything bad like this to where Tua potentially facing uh, a career-ending injury. It ended Bo Jackson's career, and time is of the essence. So that's why we understand that he's being airlifted to a medical center.
1: And the the good thing is we're so far in advance uh, or more advanced in the medical field now with surgeries and different things like that than what we were when Bo Jackson hurt his. So we hope mm-hmm. that that they have something that can really help.
2: Yeah, and Bo Jackson's injury happened in the 90s, okay? Um, and yep. here we are 2019. I don't recall any other instances between no. those two. So that shows you how rare yes. uh, this injury is. So, man, we're keeping, a, keeping an eye out on that news, on Tua Tagovailoa, Alabama quarterback, suffering basically a, a dislocated hip uh, he's been airlifted to a nearby medical center in Birmingham. Uh, so we'll see how that procedure works out. And, uh, to has battled a lot of injuries in his in his career at uh, Alabama. And not to mention, he's one of college football's best players. Yep. Uh And a Heisman candidate and a, f- a potential and he's number a, one overall pick.
1: And he's a fan favorite, too. He's just a guy with a good heart, and he plays well, and he represents himself, his family, as well as the University of Alabama really well.
2: Well said. Phone lines are open at 504-260-1870. Text 870-870. Herb Tyler, Christian Garrick, it's the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. Tiger Tailgating Show here on WWL. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.